Welcome to Movie Time Machine, where we take movies from the past and relive them in the present. This week, we travel back to the year 1980 and revisit The Empire Strikes Back, the second film in the Star Wars saga. Directed by Irvin Kirshner, written by Lawrence Kasdan and Lee Brackett. Starring Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Billy D. Williams. This is your Time Machine host, Chad, and let's meet our Time Machine roundtable today. Let's go around and introduce ourselves. Uh, this is James. Uh, currently, I'm actually I'm going back in time again, just like the show. Uh, I'm watching the show Black Donnelly's. I don't know if anybody ever remembers or heard about that movie, but uh, or TV show, I should say. But Olivia Wilde's in it, and uh, it was written by Paul Haggis, like right when he kind of came back and started rewriting the Bond series, and was pretty popular. Uh, it only lasted one season, but it's kind of one of those. Uh, I don't understand why. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's about Irish mob, and so yeah, I don't know. Very good, very good show. Yeah, what was it on? Was that like a AMC or Showtime? Or it was like on really NBC, familiar. and I don't remember if anybody else remembers the time. It was like that show was on, and then either before or after it was like Studio sixty by Aaron Sorkin, and again another show that only lasted one season. Uh, is like I guess I should I should dive in uh, deeper and find out like what else was on. CBS and the other stations because with Sorkin and uh, yeah, Paul Figgis, like it was just kind of, it's very confusing. Like why did these shows only last one season? Cause they are very uh, prominent head writers. So I don't know. Haggis sounds like what you would pick for your last name. If you were trying to come up with a fake Irish name. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would agree with that. I had to actually look up. I'm like, why is it called the Black Donnellys? And they're like, and it was like, well, the Black Irish was, and uh, it was just like anybody that's Irish with like dark complexion and not like a like a ginger complexion, I guess. So I don't know. And then there is my other host. I am right here with you, and <laughs> as I do have a ginger complexion, I've not been watching the Black Donnellys, but I can say that I started watching, um, so I have, I have this problem with my streaming services, is I think I have three different ones. I got YouTube TV, Hulu, and Netflix, and I kind of tend to be monogamous with one rather than bounce around, so oh. I've, I don't know if you guys do that with yours, but um, I've recently let Netflix back into my life and I started episode one of Mindhunter and I think it's really interesting super slow burn and there's um, a couple scenes that really catch you off guard that it's pretty brutal it's the for those who don't know it's kind of the beginning stages of the FBI investigating the serious crimes of the 70s when serial killing was at an all-time high and um, just kind of trying to incorporate psychology into their uh, practice for cracking down on really really bad guys so, that's a yeah. that's a Fincher show, Fincher. isn't it? Yes. Yep. Yes. That's cool. Yes. Yeah. No, I haven't. I never, or I haven't started that. It's uh, it's one of those. Uh, it's in the list of a hundred or so that are in my Netflix queue. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, I have that problem. Too. Yeah, I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, yeah. Well, and of death. I don't know if you guys appreciate appreciate this or not but one thing i kind of like is fincher's the only name i recognize i haven't come across a single actor or actress in this show that i recognize from anything else that i mean that's always cool and i'd like that's always a lot of fun when you're starting a new show just because it feels <laughs> i want to use the word authenticious because that's uh, where they use in the town <laughs> um 
but no, it just seems like it's uh, you can get on board with the characters because the characters feel um, like that. Oh, that's them. I don't know them any differently uh, than like in the Black Donnellys, Smalls from Sandlot. He is the older brother and uh, like a dumbass in this show, uh, Donnellys. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I can't get on board with that character because he's just Smalls <laughs> from Sandlot. <laughs> Um, I've been watching, I've been continuing, um, season two of Ozark, which is, again, very, very good. Kind of surprised. Just finally had some time to watch that. So about halfway through season two, um, then also again, the Mandalorian finished episode three. Really love that show. And I'm just really disappointed. I don't really know anyone else that's seen it so I can gush about it. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I haven't. And, um, can you talk about this once again? What's going on with Baby Yoda? Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything. So. Oh, oh, it's okay. Never mind. Then yes, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> it's like the only thing. Whenever you're pulling up any sort of pop culture right now, it's like you can't get five different storylines anywhere without Baby Yoda. So I was just curious. Yeah, it's um, man, I, I really like if this is the direction that they're going to be taking Star Wars now. Like after the. Uh, Luke Skywalker saga or Skywalker saga is over. I'm really excited and I'm really hoping maybe these rumors are true too that um, Favreau is going to be taking over the uh, next trilogy. And Favreau, is he, he's doing these shows, right? He's developing Mandalorian. Yep. He's directing the Mandalorian and each episode I think has like a different um, writer. So, or maybe it's opposite that. I don't know. See, he's the writer, or yeah, he's the writer. Then he has a different director for each episode. Does anybody else feel like the same way I do about this? Like, I'm I'm excited we have these good showrunners taking over projects that make me happy, such as Star Wars. Like, I'm happy good people are doing this, but it makes me sad a little bit when you hear like Abrams or Favreau because they are the ones coming up with new ideas for movies, like that it's like their own ideas. Uh, yeah. So. And it's not just remakes and everything else. Just and I understand we're building on the Star Wars universe right now, but uh, it just makes me sad. Like when like Favreau and Chef, like what an original concept in a fantastic movie. Um, Super Eight for J.J. Abrams. I just thought was such a great original concept, a very Spielberg esque, and it just makes me. It makes me happy that these guys are taking this on, but it makes me sad in the sense that they have all these other probably ideas that are like, okay, we'll do this in five years. <laughs> yeah, and I think now that I think about it, I think Favreau is actually going to re- be replacing, or the rumor is that he'll be replacing Kathleen Kennedy, who has been the one. Um, she's like what the yeah, she's like VP or? of like yeah. Lucas Arts or whatever the heck it is. Yeah, I think he's. It's rumored that he's going to be taking over that role, but. Just is that true? Where'd you hear that? That's that's a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, it is huge. <laughs> that like, not that he wasn't already set for life, but he's wow. <laughs> yeah. No, it's awesome. So, let's uh, move on. All right, before we go into our Star Wars discussion, let's do some housekeeping. Uh, show corrections from the last episode. Uh, James and I were conf- had, were confused on who Red Leader was. Uh, if you didn't know he was the guy that says get ready for your attack run and almost there and just to clarify uh wedge he was uh red five but jamie you said you had you wanted 30 seconds to uh clear something up there 
Oh, please. Thank you for the time chat. Actually, Luke's yeah. red five, <laughs> Wedge is red two, but that's okay. Um, so, red leader. Sure? Okay. Yeah, I'm positive. On. I, um, I actually, when I, I looked it up too, I thought he was red two as well. <laughs> I am positive. Um, I, so, I had to dig into Wikipedia to find his red leader's name. But Is that a real thing? Wikipedia? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, continue. It's very real. Um, he is, uh, like you said, Chad, he's he's the one who has all those lines. Lock us, foils in attack position. Yeah. And you see him without his helmet. He's holding it um, in before as they're, you know, getting the X-Wings ready to go. He's the one who says we're, we'll rely on each other up there like we always do. And as long as we do that, I'll go up against anything in the galaxy and like our chances. And the reason I pick him is two, two, and I'll try to make this quick, I swear to God. So I, I ping pong between Empire and Star Wars is my favorite film. Um, and the reason I pick A New Hope is because I think out of the entire canon, the trench run and the Battle of Yavin is my favorite sequence in all of the Star Wars films. And like you said before, it's because it's the dog fighting and I just think it's so cool. And I, uh, so Red Leader's name is Garvin Dreis and he, I'm getting there. I swear he gets all the cool lines and, but what's really hard to do, um, like you touched about with the special effects is he's just acting in a box. You know, the only physicality he can do is with his face. And I think that's just, we don't realize what a tall order that is, um, especially given the limited special effects. So I think, you know, more than any other pilot, he does the most with the little he has. So that's why I picked him. All right. And oh, I just lost my screen. All right. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, the other correction was uh, we said Lucas was inspired by Yojimbo. And I did some other research, and it seemed like most of it was inspired by Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress. Uh, just some of the character comparisons there, so check it out for yourself. Uh, I also want to let you know new episodes drop every Friday on most podcasting platforms. Uh, please remember to share, like, and subscribe. If you like the show, please leave us a short review on Apple Podcasts and other services if you can. You can follow us on Twitter at Movie Machine Pod or join the Movie Time Machine Facebook group. Please send us your questions or comments to read on the show. And some homework for the next two episodes. We will be reviewing Return of the Jedi and celebrating the holidays with the Gremlins and Christmas Vacation. Now on to the show. We're going to go over some box office numbers, uh, share a synopsis of the film. We'll share our thoughts on the film, and then we'll end with some speculation on the final chapter in the Skywalker saga, The Rise of Skywalker. So, right, Jamie, um, why don't we go over some box office numbers? Sure thing. Happy to do it. So the Empire Strikes Back, released in 1980, had a budget of $18 million. In its opening weekend in the United States, it grossed $4.9 million. Uh, the gross USA, I'm assuming this is opening weekend, was $209 million. And the, oh no, that's gross. That's that means gross, everything. Yeah. That means everything. Um Cumulative worldwide gross was $538 million. So that was a pretty big deal then. And just to give you some context, the I guess Solo came out before The Last Jedi, but let's go Last Saga film that was released. So The Last Jedi um, cleared $1 billion worldwide box office in less than three weeks. And, oh, I had its... 
domestic total. Shoot, where was it? Oh, you guys, I was so prepared. That's right. Um, was uh, the last Jedi was that released worldwide though? Like the I same weekend. I believe so. I want to say I thought it was as well. Yeah. So yeah. That might be, uh, skewing the numbers, but still. Yeah, but still, that's um, so. Empire's cumulative worldwide gross was more than the last Jedi in the United States. So it looks like it was five hundred and seventeen million dollars, give or take. That's actually kind of crazy to me because so we were when we discussed the New Hope worldwide, it was seven seventy five million. With like, and I don't know. I just feel like Empire would have done so much more. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious to see what Jedi turns out to be because I I don't have those numbers um, because it's not that episode. But yeah, just like you, James, I want to know if these build upon each other the way that the Marvel movies and Star Wars movies now seem to, or if they actually lost money between them. Yeah, let's uh. Let's during Jedi. Yeah, I want to do a box office rundown of this trilogy. I think that'd be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah, let's do for that. sure. We could do a cumulative uh, results with that and kind of compare to today. So, cool, awesome. Again, we've already touched on a couple movies from 1980 in our podcast, right? So we did Blues Brothers. That was number nine. Correct. Right yeah. Yeah. And we had the big debate, uh, Blues Brothers versus Caddyshack. Oh, yeah. Made more money on, than Caddyshack. Yeah. Well, I, maybe it grossed more at the box office, but they blew a lot of money in making it, so I don't yeah. know how that shook <laughs> out. <laughs> and what else was I going to touch on here? All right. That's all I have. Anything else on 1980? Not for me. No, I think no. we've uh, you're Star right. We've Wars covered several show movies here. in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on to uh, James. Why don't you tell us uh, what this movie's about and give us the opening crawl to The Empire Strikes Back. Sure, so Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. It is a dark time for the Rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the Rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy. Evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet, a group of freedom fighters led by Luke Skywalker has established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The evil Lord Darth Vader, obsessed with finding young Skywalker, has dispatched thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space. Which I always thought was kind of funny, like... God, if I, I mean, I get it. Go to an ice world because everybody's like, oh, hell no, I'm not going there. Like, right. <laughs> I don't, it feels like, a, didn't you always hear like rumors of like the Vikings or somebody would always do things or did something like that? Like, oh, Green World's real or Greenland is really like cold and Iceland is really green. And so that's why they called it Iceland to deter people from going yeah. or something. <laughs> and I don't know. So, but I mean, good, good on them. Like, yeah, if I was a stormtrooper, I'd be like, yeah, no, it's, it's cool, boss. We're on our way. Okay. <laughs> it's like living. Me. They got beaches for days. <laughs> it's like living in Minnesota. It's like, oh, I heard you have beautiful summer. Shh, don't tell them. It's all we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why can't any of these places have just fall? I don't get it. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, 
All right. Um, let's talk about this movie. And we've all have probably seen this movie uh, numerous times. Uh, Jamie, let's, what do you like about The Empire Strikes Back? And let's not to get too far ahead of ourselves in this trilogy, but why don't you just let us know like where this ranks out of the original trilogy as well? Sure thing. Um, so as I kind of said before, when I was talking about Red Leader, I maintained that A New Hope was my favorite. And this happens every time I watch Empire and then I rethink. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, this is the best Star Wars movie. It happens <laughs> right away. And I so, again, I'm Team Empire. Um, you know, call me next year when I watch the saga again and I'll probably like New Hope. But I think for me, what it does is it, it you know, A New Hope was the introduction. You learn about the force, the Jedi. This Well, I guess they're not called the Sith yet, but. Um, an empire just kind of builds the world, you know, we get new planets, um, new characters, new ships, and they kind of flesh out more of the, you know, you see the emperor kind of the evil becomes not so faceless and you kind of motives are established. And I just, I think it's really cool. It feels more, um, lived in. I want to say, I'll, I'll say that. And for me personally, it really, you know, kind of fleshed out my toy line. I think all my favorites are from <laughs> Empire characters. Yeah, same here. I think, uh, you know, I definitely had the the Tauntaun where you like slid the figure like into the Tauntaun, but not the uh, belly cutting Tauntaun where you could slide Luke inside to it. But yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, most of my toys that I got as a child came from this line. Did they really make an action figure of a belly cutting Tauntaun? That was my yeah, question like too. The, yeah, the the belly of the Tauntaun was like like soft flaps of some kind of like vinyl material, and you could slide <laughs> you could slide a character into the belly of the Tauntaun. <laughs> like wow. that kind of like we talked about action figures on the last episode about how every droid, every background character has something. I never would have thought. That well, I should have thought that there was going to be a belly cutting Tauntaun. Wow, God, they really did do everything. <laughs> and that one's got to be what, like the $5,000 toy. Oh, God, it's still Probably, a package. Yeah. No, no doubt, for sure. Um, I would, uh, so I always have a hard time because I think I always liked Jedi better. Uh, Empire is better. I think Empire is my number one. Um, but whenever I watch Jedi, that's the one I toy with instead of New Hope, Jamie. Um, New Hope, I think, is the the starter of everything. And But I feel like in this trilogy, New Hope is always my least favorite. But every time between Empire and Jedi, I always go back and forth. But right now, I'm going to go ahead and say Empire. Um, hopefully, I as a child, I think I was more prone to uh jedi because of the green lightsaber just seemed cooler <laughs> like but <laughs> um but and yeah i don't know but right now empire is definitely just taking taking hold so i'm gonna stick with that yeah i mean empire is definitely my number one again i kind of like you james i have kind of gone back and forth between empire and return of the jedi but uh watching empire this time i was just like i forget like just how like quick the the first like half hour of this movie is like the like you get the empire with the pro droids finding the uh rebellion and then like the attack scene with the walkers and i just just love how this movie starts but yeah i, I just 
this entire movie it's <laughs> it's like nothing ever like completely works in this movie it's like the millennium falcon like the hyperdrive is always an issue through the entire movie and just like the it's like the best sci-fi like pursuit chase film uh, i would say but yeah that's, that's I, definitely my, my my number one yeah i mean i i would agree like visually like we talked about this in the last episode saying that uh star wars as a whole like was really just trying to figure out visual effects and like that was like probably a big bulk of their cost um and they really perfected it in this movie like you just said with the uh, like the first 45 minutes of the film you're watching going, this is an eighties movie. This is insane. Um, I, it actually made me look up um, like when blue screens, green screens, chroma key, like became a thing thinking yeah. like, I'm like, man, did they, are they kind of what like started this thing? And since no, computers weren't really uh, super prominent then. Um, and then I was reluctant to find like in 1898 and like 1903 or like the great train robbery use chroma key screens to film different things. And I was like, Oh, okay. So no, mind. It's been around for a hundred years. <laughs> it's been around <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> but uh, visually I just thought like the whole movie, uh, I think Jamie said it earlier that it just, it, it's bigger worlds. It, it travels so far over the galaxy, shows you so many different vast things that it just, it, it seems bigger than uh, a new hope. Uh, for sure. And that's what I think is just so cool about it. It just sets the tone for sets the tone for Star Wars as a as a universe. Right. Yeah, I think that's like world building, I think, is a term that's that's used quite often when like describing like video games or open world video games. But yeah, I think you're you're right on there is this talking about how this does really open up the Star Wars universe. And watching this again, too, is making me think about like. You know, like what I really enjoy about Star Wars and the things about Star Wars that have made me really not like some films that have come out. And it's almost like with the things that most people love about Star Wars, it's kind of like less is more. So like you get you get these little, you know, teases about like being a Jedi and Jedi training. And we start to learn more about Luke's relationship with like Vader and you start to get some little teases with Leia um, just with the Empire, and I just kind of like how, again, this this parts of the story just kind of slowly trickles out over time versus, like, other Star Wars films. I won't go too deep into it right now where I'm thinking, like, I just tried watching, like, the Revenge of the Sith. The other day, I'm just like, oh, my God, it's like this lightsaber battle at the end is going on for, like, 45 minutes. Too much. <laughs> Less is more. <laughs> well, I agree 100%. Go ahead, Jamie. <laughs> okay, Jinx. Um, no, I, I was just going to say, you, Chad, you said, like, it, everything seems a little off or everything seems a little broken and less is more. I just, I think of Yoda in going to Dagobah. Like, if you take a step back and look at that, there's one scene where Ben says, Luke, Dagobah system, you know? So we, we have no idea what that means, by the way. Right. And he crash lands on a swamp planet with a Frank Oz puppet and nobody even says boo everyone thinks that this is the greatest thing ever and you know they're not wrong you don't think about it but if you take a step back i just it's kind of crazy you know yeah. but but it works you know within yeah. 
the parameters the movie established, it totally works. Yeah, these, uh, like this, yeah, go ahead. I was just really quick. I was gonna say, um, since you just mentioned like a Digopa uh, Yoda puppet, like I, even just watching it and seeing like the Jim Henson Frank Oz puppeteering of Yoda, like his like not even just like his eyes or eyebrows, like his forehead moves like with concern, like. But it's just so cool. <laughs> like, yeah, it's oh, yeah. so life. It's just so it's so impressive uh, yeah. what they, what they were able to accomplish. Um, sorry, Chad, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot. I was gonna say we were talking about. Oh, I was gonna say like yeah, if, uh, the whole idea of like the apparition of uh, Obi Wan speaking to Luke. It was like dunt like how I'm saying like maybe too much is added. It'd be like. You must go to Dagobah where you will meet Yoda and we fought in the Clone Wars <laughs> and it would just give you all this extra part of the story. You're like, you wouldn't really need that right now. And I feel like that's something that you kind of got a lot of in the prequels, but won't go yeah, down that's that the trade right federation <laughs> writ large. Right. <laughs> right. Right. You don't always have to like, I think Star Wars works best as like you can have those things in the story, but kind of have them in the background. And like, then you get to nerd out and geek out about it when you read about, Oh, this item in the background. If you look at the star Wars making of star Wars book, it says like, Oh, this was owned by this person or it's part of the empire. Or this was part of the rebellion. It just says you get those little kind of bits of the story. Like in the background, it doesn't always have to be part of the dialogue of the characters in the movie. I digress. Um, let's let's continue to talk about really like how this movie has held up over time. Again, I know James and I we kind of talked about in those the New Hope episode about how some people think like these this real original trilogy just hasn't aged well and like the special effects, but even outside of uh, the special edition changes which I feel like had weren't as um, maybe say impactful or as noticeable as the ones in a new hope. Um, everything has aged really well. And like the pacing of this movie, I really like, cause it seems like when we get like maybe part of Luke's story that starts to slow down, it's like Han and Leia's story is like picking up and there's like the chase scene with them. Then as, and everything kind of like rises again um, towards the end of the movie, as we get into cloud city I kind of lost my track of where I was going with this, but um, I, I think it definitely, uh, I think it definitely ages very, very well to me. Like um, I always kind of try to take star Wars in this situation of once the prequels came out of one, two and three uh, and, Oh, these are, you know, CGI films, not a lot of puppetry involved. Um, and uh, yeah. So, and everything looks all shiny and new. Well, I try to take it like, well, aren't we in the little like middle of a depression like right now with in the Star Wars universe? So like everything is being fixed on a whim and like with old parts. And I don't know, it just seems it seems like it makes sense to the storyline, to be honest, when it looks a little more aged than anything else that we have. Um, that's just kind of always my take on it. Right. Jamie, have anything else to add on that? Um, not really. I I agree with everything you guys said, and I think um, back to the point of you know devils in the details. I think 
that's that's why you know the Star Wars canon outside of the films has grown in the way it has with different writers and artists taking that core idea and expanding it. You know, it's not so. I guess the rules aren't as stiff as something like Game of Thrones or you know Middle Earth. Like only Tolkien could write a tale set in Middle Earth because he's the only one who has access to all those rules. I mean, not that there's not rules in Star Wars. It's just it's the way that Lucas wrote it, I think, is more accessible for people to kind of take it and run with it. Right, too. And this is um, also makes me think of how, like, with the prequels where, you know, George Lucas was doing, I think for all three, um, episode one, two, and three, he did the writing and directing, I think, of all three of those films. Versus now we have, like, George Lucas, who wrote and directed the first, like, A New Hope. Then with this one, he has... Um, He's just, you know, he's having a, a different, somebody direct it and somebody else write it for him. And he's just there to like kind of throw in the guardrails for the story. And sometimes I wonder if that's what's also helped like <laughs> this original trilogy like grow versus what you saw him do with the prequels. Like, do you have any thoughts or have you ever thought about that? It makes me feel like um, if you remember, like in Back to the Future, like Zumekis originally wrote it where it was a time machine that was a refrigerator. I don't know if you guys heard that. No. Um, and like, and somebody else came in, and I believe it was Spielberg, who was like, "Why don't we make it a car?" <laughs> like, and it's just like this, oh, mind blown experience. Like, would we have all been on board if it wasn't a DeLorean? Like, I just right. don't know. And right. so it's just things like bouncing like hey you know lucas had this initial idea and as he was telling his story to the director of empire oh or the other writers they were like what if we did it like this and then even lucas probably was like yes much better like so (laughs) it's just it's always good to get probably a little bit of feedback on your project because ultimately i think it was lucas's stuff so if he was not on board with certain things he was probably not gonna allow it to happen in the movie. I guess I don't know how much control he had over that. So, no, it's cool that he got other people on board. Agreed. Yeah, I think we've found, too, in the prequels, you know, when he steps back and lets Kirshner do his thing, we get the Han and Leia um, love story. You know, I love you. I know. When he (laughs) takes a hold of the wheel and does it himself, we get um, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman rolling around in the fields in some of the worst romance scenes i think ever filmed i yeah, think yeah lucas awful. was lucas was in charge of what was it spider-man 3 when he was dancing around to his black spider-man just kidding i don't think he was but <laughs> <laughs> but like again like, like it, what it's a similar similar point i think you're trying to make <laughs> yeah you had me I for a second i thought okay that makes sense yeah duped yeah i don't like sand <laughs> that great line. Um, yeah, just go over some notes here. Just again, the score is amazing in this film. It's a little bit softer of a tone. It's almost kind of, I don't know if it's like dissident, but just it's almost like, like, like hopelessness and like hope and hopelessness at the same time. Um, that's the only way I can describe it. I don't know. I don't have a great I- vocabulary. But. I'd agree with you. Like, um, I wrote down score again. Um, Imperial March comes off right towards the beginning of the film and just sets the tone of the Empire striking back. 
to be honest. Um, and then uh, with your hope and hopelessness. Yeah, because it really, we mentioned it earlier with Han and Leia's love story. And like that was a lot of the music going in and out of that, um, the whole movie. So like it definitely like it wants you to hope, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, it's very, the score just drives the whole film again. Yeah, but we we talked a little bit about Hoth again just at the beginning, but uh, just I just love the scene, like the at ats coming in, like the huge ground battle that we have at the beginning of this movie, and I think it's the only real like large battle we have in this film. I mean, you get like you know some like it's chase scenes like Tie Fighters and uh, Falcon, but as as far as big battles, I think this is actually probably the biggest battle that we see in the Star Wars universe with this film is that opening scene in Hoth. Um, I was going to ask you guys, do you pronounce it at-at or at-at? Uh, I did at-at, to be honest. A- oh. Jamie? Uh, I abbreviate. I go at-at for the at-at? sake of okay, time. Okay, okay, okay. It's pretty controversial, aware, I mean. <laughs> fully aware that ast is dumb, but, you know, apples and chicken walkers. Right. <laughs> chicken walkers. Uh yeah, I just have like probe droid too. I just really love the design of that probe droid, and just all the the, the new vehicles we get. I think in that opening scene. Um, also, Dangle one of the Bot. best maps on Battlefield or Battlefront, excuse me. Every Star Wars game, this is like the map. It's like yeah. every Star Wars game has almost every Star Wars game has a Hoth level, or like some kind of level where you're like taking down walkers. It's almost always my favorite. Yeah. Um, man, we, this movie we get the introduction of the bounty hunters, which is I think some of the coolest looking characters in the Star Wars universe too, uh, like IG eighty eight. Um, I <laughs> look at I put Denver. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Denver in my notes. Must have wrote this right after the Vikings game. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, hey now, I think it's supposed to be too soon. De- <laughs> too soon. Uh, IG eighty eight. Uh, Dengar. I think that was supposed to be. Um, Zuckus and Forlom, uh, Boba Fett and Bosk. Bosk uh, making a Doctor Who cameo. What? I believe that costume is from an episode of Doctor Who. Really? If, if I have my fun fact correct. <laughs> I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, I know it's I know it's a recycled costume. Um, I just can't remember which film it's from or TV show, but. I, I think it's Doctor Who. We can save that for future corrections. But all right. Um, again, I'm just gonna go through some just kind of some no- notable scenes that I just really love about this movie. And if you guys have anything, you could just chime in. But uh, the asteroid field scene, like that whole chase, and just the score that kicks in there. Um, then with the space worm like flying out of the mouth, it's like. I love that. Our venture into Cloud City. We get to meet Lando. Um, and then we get the the betrayal there. Um, then we, we I think the, the duel scene between Luke and Vader in this film is really cool. It's always been... I've always liked this, this duel better than the one in uh, Return of the Jedi. Just think because like, the tone and everything is so dark and with like the kind of the lights in the background it's kind of like the it's like bluish and orangish hues and just 
well, and part of you too has to know that Luke can't win. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But you don't know how it's going to play out if you've never seen it before, but there's that sense of unease because you know, he's got to lose, but you don't know how it's going to go. I always thought it was funny, like as a kid and then also watching them like now, uh, after watching so many movies involving sword fights and other things like that, like where you're like, Man, how did I think this was like the best fight scene in the world? Because <laughs> like, they, it's like it's they because uh, Vader is still very boxy. Like he doesn't do a lot, and Luke has never gotten any formal training. Like in that sense, like I don't know, yeah. but it's just always interesting to me that I'm like watching this thing, uh, like as a kid, going, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" And then now you're looking at it, going, "Man, somebody do something!" <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's still almost very... like Vader is like toying with him, though. Agreed. Yeah. You and know, it's still like... a very, very good scene. Like, it seems like yeah. they're at very similar levels. I agree. Vader is toying with him and he's like, Luke's never going to win this fight. Um, I just always thought it was funny after watching like a movie. Like, I mean, I understand the Matrix is more guns, but you're like, OK, so this is what real fight scenes should look like in epic <laughs> movies. <laughs> right. Um thing about that scene too i love that we're um it's right before luke gets like where vader's like throwing like debris at luke and like ripping shit off the walls just by using the force and i just like how like effortlessly like vader is doing this versus like what we <laughs> yeah i feel like i'm on like a a prequel uh trash session here but uh have to rip on these guys but it's like Vader's effort effortlessly is just like pulling shit off the walls and just like chucking it at Luke. And this made me think of the fight scene with uh, Yoda in like Revenge of the Sith. And he's just like bouncing off the walls and doing backflips. And I was like, come on, he's Yoda. He's like, I was maybe expecting the same thing. But I really en- enjoyed that fight scene. Just, and we get like the, the line that everyone knows but gets wrong is the I'm your father line. Um, and just that this movie yeah go ahead i was gonna say i think that that scene is actually kind of funny always to me too because of uh when vader's like ripping things off of walls and throwing them at luke like luke's just like (laughs) falling into them all sluggish yeah oh god he's like swinging and missing (laughs) (laughs) it just it just looks so funny to me because but also at the same time it's like well, he's still standing. I don't think I would be after getting hit with all right. these metal <laughs> objects. So good for him. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we don't know how heavy they are. They look like they're just like empty cardboard boxes, but you know, it could be like 50, 40, 40, 50 pounds. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Enough to break a window, right? Um. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, one thing on Hoth, like, sorry, going back to the Hoth scenes. Yeah. I, I just thought it was kind of funny. So I don't know why I wrote this down in one of my notes, but um, when they're trying to evacuate the planet and like Han and Leia running through um, what appears to be like an X-Wing hangar, um, <laughs> the X-Wings below the ladders have like rugs and grip mats. And I was just like, oh, that is safety conscious. Like, <laughs> I just thought it was interesting that like they thought that far ahead on right. this remote planet. <laughs> I don't know. That is, yeah, again, in my notes, just something really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you slip and fall, the rebellion slips and, or I don't know, 
I can't see like. Well, that's the thing. Like, like I, when watching Solo, like I'm sure you see uh, Matt on, or a sign on the wall, like saying, "Hey, <laughs> like safety first. If not, call like the Empire." <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like uh, 15 days without a work accident. Exactly. 15 days. <laughs> 15 days work or accident free. <laughs> exactly. There's something like that. Like, like we need to start somewhere, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Luke was out there, and he got attacked by a Wampa, and now he's sitting in the back to tank, or back to zero days. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hey, did you guys um, did you guys look at that link I sent? Yeah, but it was like the how they had the altar. I I I have to admit, I read like half of it. <laughs> no, I me too. I didn't read the whole yeah. thing. Um, but just basically stating that uh, he got Luke got in a car accident, or Mark uh, Hamill got in a car accident. Uh, right before uh, New Hope came out, and uh, nobody, it wasn't on anybody's radar because nobody knew who Mark Hamill was, and then it, so it never really got into the news. But that is why he they had the Wampa scene for the most part. It, it sounds like is because they had explained why he was all banged up on the left side of his face because he actually had to have facial surgery. <laughs> right, that's crazy. That worked well, yeah. Talk about going method. Christian Bale, eat your heart out. <laughs> God, could you like, yeah, let's go more Marvel universe. And they're like, all of a sudden, like in, uh, in the last star Wars, all of a sudden, like, it's like fat Luke. <laughs> like, <laughs> <just>. <laughs> uh, is this, is this like a reference to fat Thor? Yeah. Sorry. That's where okay, I was going with right. that. <laughs> yeah. I am a MCU ignorant. So, I was going to say, and for another time, I, I definitely want to have a sidebar conversation with how far you've gone with MCU and, like, yeah, just that'd be a fun conversation, I think. Yeah, sure. Put it on the calendar. Got yeah. it. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, I'm just going to continue on here. and So we get Han Solo. He's frozen in carbonite, taken away. Then this movie ends with the cliffhanger, sort of, uh, and just kind of leaves you wanting more versus how the new a uh, new hope ends. So a new hope ends. It's almost like you kind of get the feeling like the empire's been defeated, and you get this big celebration. Then empire is just like rebellion is just constantly knocked down. And at the end, it's like our our heroes have been like beaten, battered, and one is missing. And now they're going on like a search mission to find him which it shouldn't be too hard because they they all know that he's going the job as palace right he's on tatooine yeah. like yeah there that didn't seem to be a big secret there but while yeah. we're while we're dabbling in the you know car crash and bosk doctor who conspiracy theories i yeah i have heard in my travels and i can't cite my sources just one of those fun hearsay things but that um Harrison Ford was kind of getting cold feet but Lucas wanted to obviously finish the trilogy so they were trying to come up with how can we freeze his character like literally how can we you know put him in some sort of stasis you know in case he doesn't you know do this final film with us so hence the carbonite scene they literally froze his character with the hopes that in the next film he would renew his contract and come back and again no sources to cite there that's just something i've heard across yeah. my star wars travels but it's kind of fun to think about well it makes sense because at this time too he's he's doing indiana jones kind of at the same time as 
the Star Wars movies are coming out. Well, it wasn't. I feel like also, Jamie, like in my travels to like Wisconsin, I heard no, um, <laughs> but like, but I thought that Indiana Jones that was something like where uh, they were going to go with Tom Selleck and Harrison Ford's like, hey, I will complete the Star Wars films if you give me this role. Like it was like a quid pro quo kind of thing. I and again can't cite the sources. No idea if that's true or not. Harrison Ford would say no quid pro quo. I'm so sorry I did that. They're so not the same thing. Yeah, you can delete that. <laughs> no <Yeah>. quid pro quo. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Harrison, to besmirch your name in that way. <laughs> oh my god! And then once he got to be Jack Ryan, he's like, "I'm out of this Lucas universe." Right. <laughs> what? What a power move, though, to be able to like the two biggest film franchises, and he's saying, "You, I want to do this one. You need me for the other one." So what do you think? I mean, I just can't think of, you know, name an actor today with that much star power to kind of pull rank like that. Uh, I, I was up, just going to say yeah, Robert Downey Jr., but there's I like he has been so consumed over the last 10 years of MCU movies that I'm sure he <laughs> he can do anything he wants, but he hasn't because he's chosen to do the, that. Those films. That's true. But I agree. It's been a while since we've had somebody, especially like even in the 80s when movies were becoming, uh, well, I mean, movies had been prominent, but just these epic, like even trilogies or just like bigger than life movies uh, came up. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's definitely probably a first if that is how the story actually went down. So that's cool. Yeah, I kind of like how in, in, in this film, too, like I'm looking at Harrison Ford play solo and it was like, God. The solo character and Indy, those characters are almost identical. Except one has like a a background in archaeology, anthropology, archaeology, paleontology. Uh, anthropology, yeah. And Han Solo is just a orphan kid that grew up on Carillion shipyard. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm like, man, are you going to pull this out of your pocket? Because I'm going to be so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> um. I just kind of want to, like, we actually started doing it uh, before I think we started the show today, but just going over some of the awesome lines uh, from the film. So, like, oh, the, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I just think, it, yeah. So, if you, we all just want to say a couple, I think that'd be kind of fun. But uh, mine was the C3PO going, oh, switch off to yeah. R2D2. Uh, and just, again, uh, setting the tone of these two comic relief characters with very, I mean, I know. 3PO has a lot of voice and a lot of things to say, but the other one just has beeps. And even then, especially in this movie, this movie I think is where we really get his character uh, of R2-D2. And just like we, those are the to- the tones that if I was to whistle or mimic, those, this is where we're like, oh, James is concerned. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, you have any quotes or lines, Jamie? I got two. Um, and I'm going to step on my character list. I don't know if we're doing that just a little bit, but the first one, um, is when Luke's out in the tundra and Han's got to go save him. And, you know, they're trying to talk him out of it. You'll never make it past the first barrier. Then I'll see you in hell. Right. 
That's that's one of my favorites. Um, I almost did a Google search on that line going. I'm like, wait, so is there a hell in Star Wars universe? Right. Uh, but I was like, ah, just James, just leave it alone. <laughs> Great question. Yeah, that's, well, there was a life life day, right? That's what the Star Wars holiday special was about. Right. <laughs> See, n- now we're veering into PlayStation Two into Harry Potter universe territory, which I know Chad loves. So I'll, I'll say no more on that. <laughs> Oh, but, geez. Um, so that's one. And the second one is it's really simple. It's when when Chewbacca's choking out Lando and, you know, oh. you're you're not sure yeah. kind of where Lando lies, but he gets out. I'm trying to save hand. Yeah, it's, it's that's a good one for me, too. That's where like I uh, watching these last two films like they refer to uh Han Solo as Han and Han and Leia as Leah and Leia. Like, I'm, so it had me questioning, like, what am I saying any of these right? Like, what is, how should I be pronouncing these? But nobody's getting corrected. But like, different people say them in different ways in both films. Yeah, I like how well, they I answer think... the Han Han thing in uh, Solo. Oh, oh they? It, the yeah, when they're playing Sabacc. So. Yeah. Donald like, Glover just pretty much is like, I'm going to call you Han, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Then Solo corrects him. I like it, though, too, because it. I think it does add an unintentional bit of realism. Like, James, you might be able to relate as a Jamie. I'm I'm called James, Jamie, Jim. I don't, you know, I don't Jimbo. blink. Jimbo. You know, I'll answer <laughs> it all. <laughs> I did have an older lady actually go, are you Jim? And I'm like... We just hired you three days ago. I'm like, who is referring to me as Jim? <laughs> boomers. No the answer is we're always boomers. Oh, always. Geez. Uh, lines. Uh, I like the C three PO line. The sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately three hundred thousand seven hundred and twenty-five to one. Then hands like, never tell me the odds. Yeah. Um, then the uh, it's when. Leah's announcing like the kind of like the plan for escape is and the one uh, X-Wing pilot shouts always like two fighters against a star destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> I think 3PO like uh, I think maybe it was his time to shine in this movie because also like the one that sticks out towards me is also like when R2 finally gets like the light speed or no it wasn't even light speed it was uh, like the doors open in cloud city from the empire to get to the Falcon. And he's like, wonderful. It's like, yeah. <laughs> he just, I don't know. His tone on how he says things are just so memorable. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I actually was he, trying to look up, uh, C3PO, uh, the actor and just kind of be just curious. Like what else has he done? Like would I know him from something else. Um, or is it just C3PO, uh, characters? And the only thing that I, when I was looking up, he had like one sitcom for like, three seasons it looked and it was a show that i definitely don't recognize otherwise he voiced lagalos in like the 1978 animated lord of the rings um but after that it's like like you mentioned earlier like i'm c3po in the holiday special i'm c3po in the muppets holiday special like it was (laughs) just like going up from like 78 to 80 to 82 all the way like through where he was just doing c3po things in Star Wars stuff or Robot Chicken or Family Guy. like, <laughs> And I'm like, God, what like, did that guy know when he was like 28 years old 
skinny dude that could fit into this robot suit that he would be set. <laughs> like, like, how cool. Yeah. Easy job. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, ba, 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 ba. I was going to say. Oh, cool. Do we... Um, all right, let's go into... Wait, before I go there, we were going to do Star Wars theories, right? Not characters? Uh, we could go either. I'd have to write down some characters. The things I had written down were Star Wars theories and then um, the Disney Star Wars... Like what movies uh, were like top five? Uh, do you want to do some? Who's who's prepared with what? I guess I guess I can do anything, but I I I'm more prepared for characters, but I can improvise with whatever. Do we want to do? I I feel like how like I just watched the uh, trailers for Rise um, just recently. Um, I'm guessing you guys are quite familiar with that. Would that be easy to riff on? Yeah, I got actually I got a, a bunch of notes here for Rise. So why don't we just do the Rise of Skywalker um, speculation? Then we'll close it out. I think that'd be as long as Jamie's on board. I think that'd be easiest because as soon as one of us are talking about one theory, I guarantee we'll branch off. Yeah, yeah, th that's cool. I think you guys have more notes than me, so I'll. Um, I, I I have some things to add, but I'll probably defer to you guys more. Okay. All right. Why don't you kick us off, Chad? All right. Uh, that's our discussion on Empire Strikes Back. We're going to move into some theories that we have on the upcoming film, Rise of Skywalker, the, the film that's going to close out the Skywalker saga. Um, why don't we just kind of just go over some ideas that we have of what is going to happen in this film. Let's predict a prediction segment on what we think is going to happen in the rise of Skywalker. So James, uh, you told me you've had some ideas and you've just watched some trailers. Um, yeah. I, I also, I was trying to avoid, uh, the trailers until we had this discussion, which I'm happy to watch for the discussion. Um, like, but, uh, I just think it's funny. Um, when I was watching the first trailer for the rise, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, am I watching the correct trailer? And then, and then I realized, oh, no, it's just a J.J. Abrams trailer. It's got the heavy breathing, followed by calm, <laughs> followed by, like, somebody in the desert uh, again. So, um, but uh, my, I guess my initial theories with this is, I don't know how you guys, I don't know where you guys are at with this with Ray. Like, my, my thoughts on who Ray's parents are has never changed i've always even before um force awakens came out i was always on this bandwagon um that ray was offspring of han and leia that something happened with uh when ben was born or and he or and or leia had twins and separated them right off the bat and didn't tell han solo uh and uh, that's just that's just always where I've gone back to that. She's always been a part of this, uh, Skywalker family. Uh, and they separated her to protect kind of how it happened in like episodes. What was it? Episode three. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. So that's just one of my first thoughts and theories that even with this new trailer, I'm still kind of supporting that theory. Well, the, um, the twin theory, um, I was looking this up. Kylo Ren is about 10 years older than Rey is. 
Okay, so in that, then I do believe like. But ben, somehow there's so some then kind it of... goes to the Ben went bad, or Ben was doing his thing, and that's when Han left. Like I guess I don't know the time timelines. I can't of like when Han left uh, and was all like mopey about that. But then like Leo could have been pregnant during that time and then decided to do that. I don't know. Right. <laughs> right. I gotcha. Um, do you have any other theories? Or that's been. Um, with that one, uh, just out of curiosity. So in the trailers, like, are, is it primarily uh, the like the voiceover in the background. Are we thinking that's Luke, like Luke's ghost talking or Luke from like previous movies? I guess I, that one I wasn't sure about. Clearly the empire has, the emperor has his own voiceovers that are very prominent, but I just yeah, couldn't tell I, who that voice was. Yeah. I had one of the times I was watching it, I had like captions turned on and it said like Luke Skywalker, like then like the quotes he was, then I would say like, then like towards the end, like, where it says like uh, thousands of generations of Jedi now live in you or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there's something else that's spoken, and that one is spoken by Leia. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, See, now I want to watch it again. I'm like, there's just like all these, like just watching them recently. There's just all these different things that I'm like, I need a second view of what's going to happen with that. But um, but also in the beginning of that trailer, too, have you seen the one where it starts out where, like, Ray is, like, running through the forest? Yeah, and, like, yeah. she drops, like, an X-Wing helmet or something. Yeah, and, like, there's the voiceover in the beginning of that where they're talking about, like, the forest, like, it surrounds us and, like, binds us, and that is Finn talking about the force. So it's making me think, is, like, is, like, Finn, like, a force-sensitive, too? Um along with Ray and I kind of, I could just kind of go into it now. Like I kind of just came to a conclusion of maybe there's like a common theme between these uh, Disney films is that the, the orphans, cause like in solo you have um spoiler alert. If you haven't seen solo is solo. There's like the infant nest group, which is like, they're all correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're all were like orphan children that all become like pirates. Um, Ray, she's been orphaned, left behind on this planet. Finn, I think, is a part of Stormtroopers, which I think they're all like taken as children from their families. Um, in let's see what else. Then there's also I'm, I won't spoil it, but there's I think there's also a kind of a theme of orphans as well in the Mandalorian series, which I'm starting to think is going to maybe not connect one-to-one to to Rise of Skywalker, but I think there's going to be something in The Mandalorian that's going to somehow connect to this this orphan. Maybe I'm just way off base on this, but, um, yeah, I'm kind of seeing, like, maybe, like, some kind of, like, orphan rise the power to overthrow the Empire, like, in Mad Max. But that's kind of a a way-out-there theory. Um, Some other things I've been thinking about, like, in the film, too, is, like... um, you know, in The Force Awakens, when Kylo is like holding Vader's mask, and he's like, "Tell me, grandfather," like, like speaking to the mask, and like you get this idea that the mask has been talking to him, and you kind of think that maybe Kylo is nuts, or there's something in the Force talking to him. But I think Palpatine has been communicating to Kylo 
through this mask, like making Kylo think that he is doing this for his grandfather, but it's actually he's being manipulated. We're going to find out that he's been manipulated by Palpatine this entire time. That's an interesting theory. Like, uh, I think the the inconsistencies or just when we're seeing of, of like Jedi or Sith, like the ghosts, like when they appear, like how they appear. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's inconsistent to me. And maybe they, um, over the video games and maybe the cartoons, they've kind of discussed it a little bit more, but that's where it gets a little confusing to me of like, when are they showing up besides that return of the Jedi, when you have all of like Luke's besties hanging out together, like, in theory, like Luke should be the most powerful Jedi with that tutelage. They're like, I don't know, right. and, and so is Ray. I am I making this up? Like, we haven't seen like Luke talk to Ray like as a ghost yet, right? Just maybe voiceover. No, because he well, well, he dies essentially in the end of the Last Jedi. Yeah, right? and, and then we, we, we see him just disappear. Yeah, so we assume that he's dead. Yeah. So okay. That's what I thought. Like I was like, we see him, but we see his like hologram fight Kylo basically. <laughs> and then, Which um, Jamie loves. Oh, I have oh, so I'm many sure. feelings. It was like, I remember in the theater, like, I think it, God, wasn't my mother that ruined it for me where she was like, like Luke doesn't have footprints. And I'm like, what? No. <laughs> like just like <laughs> blew my mind. And I'm like, God, of course, I was like, how did my mother notice this before me? And so, yeah, um, that's another one. I, know, I was I'm just s- like, he looks different. Did he like shave and clean, like go to like a barber or something before he flew to like uh crates or whatever that planet was? Yeah. Like he had those like alien nuns on his planet, give him straight razor shave. Yeah. And it was just like, <laughs> that would have been like um, a cool montage, right? Oh my God. Cleaned like, up. <laughs> this like eighties throwback commando montage where he's yeah. suiting up and said, he's just cleaning up. <laughs> It'd be like a, a jazzed up version of uh, the star Wars theme. Like, bah, 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 but like with like a solo guitar or something or like yeah, an I'm, acoustic I'm version. Sure we'll have a robot chicken version of that soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, see what else then have you seen the red Stormtroopers? I'm just kind of, going off the cuff here but uh no it's so different than the red imperial guards right yeah so in the latest trailer there's there's like a short clip so and there's been like a toy out of this but it, they're called sith troopers and there's and if you look at the the picture or image of them like the mask really resemble like the clone troopers from the prequel trilogy so i'm thinking like all oh, these new stormtroopers are going to be like they brought clones back and they kind of talked about clones in the force awakens where like Kylo was talking to Hux and saying like, basically saying like, if you're stormtroopers, if you're troopers that you're using now don't hold up or can't fight, um, we're going to like go back to clones essentially. I'm paraphrasing, but, um, that's one theory that I had. Um, also like, why hmm. wouldn't they, if we had all these clone troopers, like why wouldn't Kylo in this like scenario, or even Vader at this point, like why wouldn't they utilize their blood to clone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. Let's see here. I have lots of thoughts on what you guys just said. What's that, right. Jamie? Get I, into it. <laughs> so, 
Um, going back to the orphans point, I think that's very interesting as far as raised parents. I'm actually fine with the fact of never knowing because if you think about it, there's not a you know reliable or sustainable nuclear family in any of the Star Wars films. You know, everyone's putting their kids up for adoption or they're separated by other circumstances and kind of the family becomes, you know, the friends you make and the crew of the Falcon that you create. So I think that's kind of a cool, you know, thing that they have running throughout. Um, So, you know, either either way, I think it it would be the first time, you know, if she gets some reconciliation with Leia as her mother that you know, a nuclear family is kind of brought back together. So I guess it's it's more interesting that she's an orphan, but, you know, if Leia is her mom, I guess it would be interesting in that way that it would be completely new. Um, second thing, Chad, what you said about Sidious um, Palpatine talking to Ren, that would really, really, really bother me. And uh, because, James, like you said, the rules for who can be um, a force ghost and who can't. I interpret that as that's a gift bestowed upon the Jedi's. It, it's like, um, I'm sorry about this, uh, Chad, but when Harry is in front of the mayor of Erised trying to get the sorcerer's <laughs> stone and Dumbledore's <laughs> trick is that you can only get the stone if you want it, but you won't use it. So that's the Jedi's reward for pursuing the light side of the force is their ability to continue. The Sith are corrupted by power. You know, that's what they want. The Sith want to live forever, but they go on the wrong path to do that. And therefore, you know, their great cosmic force reward is that they're never able to continue on after death. So I don't know. I have a real we're problem. Assuming, we're assuming that Palpatine actually died. And see, and that is my other problem. I have a really, I, I can't stand it when, you know, people don't stay dead like Darth Maul. I just, I have to suspend my disbelief somewhere. And for me, it's like getting cut in half by a lightsaber. That's, that's where I draw the line. So I guess, you know, Palpatine <laughs> falling down uh, energy shaft. I, to me, he's dead. So if they yeah. bring him back, I guess I'm not okay with that. But God, Jamie, I love when you talk. It makes me think of so many things. Chad's just so dull. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> just kidding, Chad. No, but okay. So, one, like, I never once, I never actually thought about the whole idea of like you saying like Jedi ghosts, basically. Like, that's like, that's like something that is like a gift to them. Well, now I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, so like we never saw Qui-Gon and maybe again, like I'm not as familiar with the cartoons, um, like Clone War cartoons or anything. So maybe Qui-Gon did come back at some point. Um, but I'm just trying to think when, um, Palpatine's talking to Anakin and is like, Oh, there's this theory of this Darth, whatever, who is going to live to be like a million. And like, that's how like he, I don't know. He's trying to like seduce him a little bit. And uh, like in that same sense, like Obi-Wan is just trying to be a good guy and he is still thriving as like a Jedi ghost, like somewhere. So he is essentially doing this like without like having to like murder all the younglings. Like, I don't know. It just just seems interesting. Like (laughs) I could be a good person or a, bad person to do all this stuff and then you're not even sure and then as far as the falling uh like 
him falling into infinity at uh, Palpatine, and you're saying that he should be dead. Well, isn't essentially if we didn't see what happened to Luke after he fell off, like off of the balcony in Empire, like if he didn't fall directly undid all these slides so perfectly, like, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't he be just toast too? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean that's a really good point. And Chad and I have talked about this too. That the it's not like the pieces aren't there for Palpatine to come back. Because like you guys have both said, I mean, he did have that conversation about, you know, Plagueis, who discovered the secret for, you know. Plagueis, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for stopping death. So, you know, if they did want to go that way, I guess they kind of did put those pieces in place. I guess, you know, maybe it's it's just a personal problem with me. It's like, well, (laughs) you know, if you can if you can get to, um, you know, force heaven either way. Why Why would you ever choose to be good when it's so much easier and fun to be bad? Well said. Well said. All right. I have uh, one more theory I want to throw out there. Just see what you guys uh, think about this. So recently I've been looking at like Ray's story arc in the sequel trilogy so far. I'm like, well, it's weird. I was getting a lot of feedback there. I was looking at Ray's story arc and... I'm like, I think Ray's story arc mimics Anakin's story arc almost in the prequels. It's a whole like, you know, she, we don't know where her parents are, and it's almost like I can, I can, I don't, I don't think they'll ever do it, but I can almost see Ray following that path to the dark side versus Ben, because we've seen Ben have that conflict even though he can't control himself. But like when Ray is training with Luke on the island, like he mentions that you just go straight for the dark side. But So is your thought is your thought kind of that like potentially in this movie, Ray's going to turn and be essentially bad and then Ben's the one who's gonna turn back to the light and try to save her at the end? Ben Demption. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad theory. I, li- I like it, and it actually would make me feel good about his character because right now I feel like Ben is the whiny bee that Anakin was, so I don't know. Oh, true. True. I see that. I don't know. I get, going into this, I have, like, zero expectations. <laughs> you know, like... I, I think we all need to have zero expectations. Yeah. Otherwise... It's just like the G.I. Joe movie. If we have zero expectations, it's just gonna, it's going to be okay either way. Right? You mean the cartoon or the movie? Or like the oh, live the, action movie? Oh, the movie. The Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie. Oh. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Wait, is he... Me either. Is he G.I. Joe? Are you... Are, do you guys care if I spoil who J.G.L. is? Not... No. Not one bit. Yeah, J.G.L. Totally. is Cobra Commander. What? Oh yes! <laughs> <laughs> no, G.I. Joe is like Chan- is like Channing Tatum, I think, if I remember correctly. Of yeah, <laughs> or, okay. or Marlon your favorite. <laughs> your favorite. No, Channing. seriously, like if you guys get an opportunity, watch this movie with zero <laughs> expectations, and then it's fun. It's fine. Right. <laughs> it's like how they casted like uh, what now is all these Oscar winning people of like. Like I said, Channing Tatum and JGL. Like it's crazy to me that this movie ever was made. <laughs> wow. Who funds these things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but back to uh, zero expectations. Is that I feel like the Last Jedi left us with no stakes. 
I feel like in this next film besides like maybe we want to know who Ray's parents are but outside of that I don't really have like is there anything out there am I missing something but I just don't see I don't really have any thirst to see this movie besides like there's nothing like oh what's going to happen like maybe give me five minutes on like who Ray's parents are and that's it but yeah, as far as the story arc, like uh, compared to Empire, which left its like all these cliffhangers, um, I feel uh, I underwhelmed with the last movie and like where we need to go from here. I think as far as when Force Awakens came out, that's when I had that's when I think all of us had all these fanboy theories of just after the trailers of like, oh, is this going to happen? What's going on with this? Like we we had just so many more questions. I think. Yeah. Um, shit, I had I think I had way more questions uh, before the hot the solo movie came out. Uh, like, oh, are they gonna bring up? Are they gonna bring up so many different things that we have heard about in Han's life, but had no idea really what it was? Um, and this one, yeah, like the only big question. And that's how I kind of started this conversation was my theory on who Ray is and who her parents are. But to I think Jamie, you said it earlier. I if we don't get that closure, I'm probably going to be okay with it too. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The Last Jedi felt. I, I asked the exact same questions you guys did. Like, oh, I guess that was it. I guess Snoke really wasn't anybody, and. They seem to be continuing on the rebellion. So, okay. Well, that was the thing. That was a big question at the time was, okay, so how is Snoke going to fall into this? What is his end game? And then all of a sudden, dead. Okay, so now, right. <laughs> like, where are we going from here? Right. <laughs> so, and also, I guess my next question is, Imperial Guards, what kind of training are they getting that the – the stormtroopers aren't that they're able to kind of fed off some Sith Jedi warriors. (laughs) 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 I don't know. Like, I just feel like we're missing something here, but I guess if we're just like finding orphans, like Finn, a two, seven, three, seven, six, uh, that'll, you'll have to correct me on the next episode, but, um, then yeah, maybe we're not getting the the greatest warriors that we can. We're just taking children off the street. They're just taking, yeah, they're just taking all these children and they're just like pawns. Like, we just want to put guns in their hands and win with numbers. Yeah. You actually, um, with numbers. you did bring up a, uh, you brought up a idea of the whole nuclear family and it made me really sad. Like, I never really thought about the Star Wars universe as there isn't like a family. Like, I, like, I'm hoping like in this, uh, in this episode, all of a sudden, the Robinson family from Lost in Space show up and are just like, hey, we're going to band together and we are going to take on Kylo Ren. Um, like, it's just like there isn't this family. There isn't this family structure. Like, and you're not wrong. It is like just uh, a bunch of characters that are essentially orphans. Um, and that that's actually a really interesting thought that I never, I never occurred to me before. Well, I swear, I, I, I didn't think of it until you guys were talking about it. And I was like, oh, my God, the closest we get is Django Fett. And we all know how that ends. Right. And that was just a clone. <laughs> of, that was just a clone of himself. Right. So. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a good point. I had never even thought about that either. But well done. Well done. Um, yeah. Guys, have any thoughts about another like group of characters, too, that were left with in The Force Awakens? and didn't get any kind of info on in The Last Jedi were the uh, Knights of Ren. They and, they mention it, but they don't really 
did they really discuss like what their storyline was or is that just something else i read like they were well, they're just of... yeah they're just in that that force back flashback sequence and the force awakens and i don't really think there's much if anything at all in the last jedi no, I just remember, like, the most I think I remember from about reading the Knights of Ren was just that that's why Kylo, like, that's how his name got chosen, uh, was based on this group of characters. Yeah. Um, and there really wasn't much else um, after that. Um, also, since you brought that up with the flashback, like, in the very beginning of Force Awakens, there's the assumingly Ben Kenobi Jedi guy, um, handing over like the files to the new Death Star. Like, do we know who that gentleman was? Oh, oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, we don't really know. Yeah, we don't really have much background on him outside that he knows who like Princess Leia is. Like, yeah, okay. That's what I figured as much on that. Like, I didn't know if that was going to be another character that was going to come back to not haunt us but well i guess they're is all he, is he i wonder if sometimes i think about oh was he like kind of like the guardian of like ray as like obi-wan was over luke on tattooing yeah and see that's a that's definitely a thought i've had as well um but they they yeah they just never hint to him unless like I don't know. It's been a while since I've watched these more recent ones, like where if I watch them, maybe I'm, I'll see more foreshadowing um, with certain things. But yeah, I, I, they just never really allude to that. After He seemed to be like uh, a single scene type, type character that should have been more uh, and maybe maybe will be. Uh, uh, but just right now, we don't know what he's doing. Yeah. And and back to the Knights of Ren, I had like a quick theory on that too, is that I think maybe the Knights of Ren are like a leftover remnant of Mandalorians. And I'm not, there's nothing about this in the Mandalorian show so far, but like, but there is a clue to why they wouldn't be wearing like the Mandalorian armor. But Ren, there's like in one of the Star Wars cartoons that's canon, like there's like the Mandalorians were in all these different clans and families. And like one of the clan names are Ren, Clan Ren. So I was like, and there's some kind of connection too with like um, finding like orphans and the orphans being brought into and a part of the clan. And because like the Mandalorians have this like uh, culture of being like great warriors. And anyway, crazy theory, but that maybe that they are Mandalorians. Maybe describe some of like how their armor looks as well, but they don't have the classic looking like Boba Fett, Jango Fett armor because of how that armor was made. But I won't spoil anything outside of that. But Sounds good. You lost me at a lot of that, so that you're good. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> All right. Um, I think I'm going to close this out, guys. I have to get back to work. <laughs> I realize it's like almost 2.30. Yeah, it's hard being a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um. All right, I'm just going to close this out unless you guys have any closing comments. No, you're good. Nope. All right. And that concludes this episode of Movie Time Machines. Look into Empire Strikes Back and our nerdy discussion on The Rise of Skywalker. Thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Bye.